Welcome back to One, One Hen, Two, two ducks. ducks. I'm Megan. And I'm Selena. And we have a very special episode for you today. It is actually a two-parter, and it is the first in our new series called Art Unmasked. And Art Unmasked is all about creatives all around the United States and the globe and how they have used this time to be creative or not creative and how they've gotten through it, both in very professional levels and in community-based levels. Part one of episode one is yes. featuring uh, a delightful actress. Will you tell us a little bit about her? We have Lauren Jamelli, who is, oh my goodness, a beautiful soul. She is so amazing. She's an actress, national, international Chicago tour. She <laughs> has such a wonderful outlook and such an amazing personality. You're really going to be excited, especially if you are a actress in this community or even in the community at large, who's in, who's, you know, just trying to navigate as an actress. She has a very good and poignant um, advice and, um, and encouragement for you today. Yeah. She's an actress who lives in the city. In, of Manhattan. So she's seen a lot of change over the last year. Uh, and she's still, you know, she's still working at the ground level to try to get her big break. We hope you enjoy her interview. All right. Uh, we are back with our Art Unmasked series. I'm Megan. Yes. And I am Selena. <laughs> and our uh, next special guest is Lauren Jamelli. I met Miss Lauren Jamelli when we did a show a couple years ago in upstate New York at the Depot Theater. And we were very excited to have her and kind of learn a little bit more about her experience as an actor, especially someone who lives directly in Manhattan. Excited to get her thoughts on a couple of things. So hi, Lauren. Yes. Welcome. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Thanks for having yes, me, guys. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. So Lauren, go ahead and give us a little cliff notes of uh, your career, where you're from, what brought you to New York up until about January 2020. All that stuff, you got it. Okay, so I'm originally from the Boston area, just outside. I grew up in a small town called Norwell. I trained with the Boston Ballet in their pre-professional program. Somewhere around high school, figured out that theater was a thing and musical theater was a thing. So I wanted to do that instead of, you know, just being a ballerina because I wanted to be able to dance and sing too. So I decided to go to school for straight theater. Um, I attended Manhattanville College in Westchester County and majored in dance and theater with a concentration in acting and directing. Graduated in 2003 and no, that's a lie. That's when I graduated high school. I graduated college in 2007 <laughs> and I moved right into the city. I like do not, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Like signed a lease, started May 1st. I graduated like May 4th or 5th and moved right into my apartment and then started pursuing a performing career full time. And I'm very thankful to say it's been full-time basically ever since, which is awesome. I'm trying to think some career highlights, which is always fun to look back. Um, I did a few national tours. I was on the national tour of the Drowsy Chaperone for two years. I have done a ton of regional productions. I did four years with the national tour of Chicago. 
Um, and that was also an international company. So we would play Asia and Canada and... Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. I got to work with Hal Prince on his final production of Candide for New York City Opera. I've done a lot of work performing for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. I'm also a choreographer and a teaching artist. So is that enough of a career? That is a beautiful... I mean, other than the fact that you <laughs> missed your amazing stint at the Depot Theater with me. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> great, great uh, a career highlight reel. Well, and of course it was a highlight meeting you and, you know, getting to work with Kenny and Adam and getting to meet Mike. Were you working on anything like in the new year when, when 2020 started? Were you, did you have some things lined up? Oh yeah. Um, so when 2020 started, I was, first I was recovering from a knee injury from the last contract I was on. I had a contract that was in the fall of 2019 and I sprained my knee twice in the span of 10 days. Yeah, before opening night, too. It was all during Mm. rehearsals. So I had to leave that contract early. So by the time, like, my 2020 kind of started at the end of 2019. (laughs) Because injuries are not fun. But I guess in some ways it it prepared me for 2020 at the same time. So started off with a knee injury. So I was recovering from a knee injury. In January, I had a choreography contract that I was completing for Manhattanville College, my alma mater. They invited me back to choreograph their production of Company for their musical theater majors. So I did that. Um, I had uh, an upcoming contract over the summer that I had booked, and I was supposed to perform in a benefit for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS in March. So those were all like the career things that were going on uh, at the beginning of 2020. So then 2020 happened. Yes. Yeah, then 2020 yeah. happened. Yeah, shutdown of, of everything. How did you how did you feel in those first couple like weeks of the shutdown? First couple weeks were actually a bit of a relief. I hate to say that because you know, the life of a New York City performer and someone who's working in the arts and and you know, we've got our <laughs> got our finger in a lot of things at once, right? We have a survival yes. job sometimes. We have uh being in rehearsals for another project, we're going to the gym, we are trying to maintain a social life, we are preparing for auditions, we're doing self-tapes, we're helping friends with pre-production for their projects. It's just all over the place. So when things initially shut down, I mean, I was hustling seven days a week, just in burnout mode, essentially. Yeah. You know, in burnout (laughs) mode. And still, like, going to PT, trying to recover my knee, all these things. So I was a bit like, oh, this is nice. (laughs) It's nice to have a break. I know that's weird, right? It, it's not. No. <laughs> but it, it, for the first few days, it was like, oh, I have nothing to do. I have nothing on the calendar. What is this? What is this going to be like? And it was scary to a certain extent, but I didn't, I had, none of us had any idea that it was going to last this long or it was going to be this intense right, right, or right. this mismanaged also, just to be honest, <laughs> um, you know? Like, I think yes. when it initially shut down, I was like, oh, this might be a month or two. This might be a month or two. Things will get pushed off. You know, I'll be able to do my contract over the summer, whatever. But for now, all we need to do is just stay home and be home. Be be with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, connect with friends and family from a distance. Check in on everyone. Pay attention to the news. Pay attention to the things we were supposed to be doing. I also was sick with COVID. I didn't realize the day everything shut down, the day after was like my first day of symptoms. So there was that too of like, oh, this thing's going on. The world is shut down and now I'm sick. And then I find out I have it. 
It's like, okay, uh, so awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Right. At first there was relief, and then there was also a, a little bit of panic, but my motto quickly became one day at a time. Like, just take mm-hmm. one day at a time. What can I control today? I paid attention, you know, for those first three weeks when I was sick, I was paying attention to my symptoms, of course. I was in touch with my doctor. I was trying to find out what to do to help me feel better, all, all those things, because um, I had symptoms, and I had a really terrible headache, and I was run down, and, you know, some of the, some of the symptoms you hear about. I lost my sense of taste and smell, whatever. But I was still able to, like, do things during the day, so I just tried to do something every day to feel productive. But then it went on, and it went on, and it went on, and it went on. <laughs> and it's still going on. <laughs> and it's like, the and it's still, and it's still going, going on, on right? <laughs> and, and the thought was, okay, so I've, I've checked things off the to-do list. I've done projects that I've been putting off. I, I, and just slowly but surely, the to-do list fell away because you catch up on everything, right? And now it's like you're left with this big blank canvas in a lot of ways. So that was it for me. I didn't spiral, thank, thank goodness. I didn't really have an anxiety spiral. I didn't freak out. I didn't feel like the world was ending. I think I just got into this mantra of like one day at a time. And I was, I was really surprised by that because I've suffered from anxiety, depression, panic attacks for as long as I can remember. So like this pandemic can really, and it has for some people really kind of sparked those feelings again, right? Because so much of the world is out of control. So much of Mm -hmm. our careers, especially in the arts, right? With the industry shut down, it's out of our control. When this comes back, there's literally nothing we can do to make it happen faster because it's out of our hands. So like, I, I think it tested the foundation of the work I've been doing over the last seven, eight years to like really try and manage my anxiety and depression and panic attacks. And, you know, I was thankful that I feel like I didn't spiral, but I was certainly sympathetic and empathetic and uh, in conversation with people that this sparked that for them they they regressed they took steps backwards they felt out of control I'm thankful I didn't I didn't have those feelings because I also live by myself I live by myself in New York City in a small studio apartment with a dog (laughs) so it could have it could have been very isolating and very scary but I just tried to keep practicing the things I knew that worked for me you know reaching out to friends and family having a to-do list every single day, even if it's little things. Like, I, I want to clean right. the bathroom today. I want to send two emails. I want to um, make sure I text my friend on their birthday. Just little things to feel like I was doing something to take steps forward. Because That's we were important. all in this just holding pattern of, we don't know right. what's happening. We don't find the things you can control and do them. Right. Yes. So that was kind of kind of a practice in that and I don't want to call it like a daily meditation because that's not what it what it was but it was definitely a daily practice of okay what are we going to do today I mean you live in the city you live in Manhattan and not only did you say like you live by yourself other than your beautiful puppy but um you're seeing the city change around you every day and you are 
not only feeling isolated because you're by yourself in your apartment and you can't really go anywhere, but then you're also seeing friends of yours move away, move away from the city. So you're seeing this very big change happening as and, and feeling probably no control over any of it. I mean, none of us had any control, but um, do you feel like, how did you, how do you feel like the city around you, at least your neighborhood and whatnot was, was changing? Well, I mean, my survival job is in events and restaurants. Those are the two things I do. So talk about like an industry shutdown from an art standpoint. I also oh. happen to work for an industry that doubly yeah, shut so down. So your, your job, your mm-hmm. passion job and your survival job are both done. So looking at my own restaurant, which is in my neighborhood, and then looking at the restaurants around me, looking at the stores around me, I mean, it, it just became walking around my neighborhood seeing, oh, another one's moved out. Another one's shut down. Mm. Another one's reopened. Another one's shut down again. Like, to reopen and then shut down again. It's, it has been such a struggle to watch the city that I love and the city that I dreamed of moving to since I was a teenager just kind of hibernate. I don't want to say New York's dead because New York's not dead. It's not a wasteland. There's still life there. But it has changed. And it's kind of gone into this hibernation. It's not thriving the way we know New York to be thriving. It's not, it's not the city of opportunity anymore. A lot of the opportunity has moved elsewhere or moved online, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, you know, some of the magic of what New York is, is that you can go to a party at one place and run into someone you would never run into. And then you're going to go uptown and go to this different place and go to Central Park. And it, there's that kind of life it doesn't exist right now. So it's, it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. It's changed. I think New York will come back. I think it has to come back. I mean, the Renaissance yeah. came after the plague. In times of great, like, despair, there's always, like, a, the pendulum has to swing back the other way is what I'm trying right. to say. Do you feel like, um, do you kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel right now? Or does it still be like, it's a little too soon to call it? I think the vaccine is our light. I think that's, like, the hope that we've needed. Mm-hmm. I think the pivot some people have made to creating work online or creating work in other ways or finding other outlets for art, um, I think that's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think the the daily practice right now is patience. Right. I think it's just continuing to practice the patience that we've been practicing for the last, what, eight, nine, ten months now? Ten months? That's scary. I didn't even think of that until this very moment we've been practicing (laughs) patience every day for 10 months like if we can just hold on a little longer hold on a little longer it is going to start turning and i really think it's going to come back i mean what did fauci say like in the over the summer the beginning of the fall for broadway it's like we've done 10 months what's another five i think people will be really eager to go back to the things that we know and love and that made us happy and that were taken away too I think that pendulum swing is going to happen. So, like, that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel is that it will be back and it will be back bigger and better and stronger and more excited than ever. I really think people are going to be just embracing the things that they love and loved to do beforehand with this new appreciation for it. Yes. And in that way, it's like, uh, just hold on for that. Just hold on for that because it is going to be so worth it. The, the life that we're going to lead or have after all of this is going to be so much richer than the life we had yeah. before. I really think so. Do you feel like your mindset about the business has changed from pre-pandemic now to now? 
like where, where you were before any of this even started, your thought process about what the business is and now it's completely different? I mean, I think personally there's been so much time for reflection, right? That blank canvas I kind of talked about. There's been so much time for reflection that I think in, I'm going to speak about the business separate, but I just want to talk about like my own, how I'm going to approach the business has shifted in a huge way. Like I, I used to care so much before about what other people thought, what casting directors thought, where I fit, how I could, how I could make myself fit into what they wanted, trying to be a guesser about, you know, what they wanted to see from me or what they needed from me and trying to give them that thing. I don't give two shits about that anymore. Excuse my language. Good. Sorry, if you have to bleep it, bleep it. We can use a little bleep. You're fine. It's 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 like I have figured out what I love about this business, what I love to do in this business, what inspires me in this business, and what my voice is more in these yes. last months not practicing not practicing what we do. I mean, for the first like eight months of the pandemic, I didn't want to dance a step. I didn't want to <laughs> sing a song. I didn't want to do a monologue. I didn't want to work on coaching or I, I just didn't. I wanted to mourn what we lost and also watch other people's art. I wanted to do that. I didn't want to produce art. I wanted to consume art. So that was my mm -hmm. first eight months. But like since then, I'm like, if I'm going to do this thing, because this business is hard. What we do is hard. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it in a way that makes me happy. So, like... Yes. Yes, right? <laughs> so, so, like, less compare and despair. That's a huge thing that I fall into is, like, oh, I'm not thin enough, or I'm not... My leg doesn't get as high, or I'm not fit enough, or I'm not... Uh, I'm not enough. Just this idea of not being enough. It's like, no, let that go. It's like the imposter sing syndrome thing, which I feel all the time. The thing that's like, you finally get a job and it's an amazing job and it's an amazing opportunity to perform and somehow you think they're going to find out that you're an imposter, that you're not as good as they thought they were, that you're going to get fired. Mm -hmm. All those things, I lived with that every day um, on certain shows. Like I was like, oh, they're going to figure out that I'm a fraud and they're going to come and fire me. Nope, gone, gone. <laughs> What I have is valuable. What I bring to the table yes. is valuable. I, I don't want to apologize anymore for taking up space. I don't want to apologize anymore for being too loud. I don't want to apologize anymore for having an opinion that might be different than someone Preach. I'm working with. <laughs> like, Amen. I, I just, I, that's where the last eight months of not producing has brought me. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it on my own terms, right? And then in the greater idea of the business, I hope that what we come back to is going to be a kinder business. I hope it's going to be a more inclusive business. Mm -hmm. I hope it's going to be a business where we've taken the time to examine what doesn't work and that we take the steps to fix it. I hope we look back at the things that were working and see how we can make them better, see how it can be a more... What's the word I want to use? Um, like humanity, bring the humanity back into our yes. business. Because so much, I mean, God, we do it five, six times a day. You go into a room, you do your art, and it's like, it's just you hear no over and over and over again. Right. And I think there needs to be a, a, a re-acknowledgement that we're people, casting directors are people, it's, 
there is a power structure, but that we can all just be people telling stories in the dark. (laughs) And that's the the goal is the common goal, right? We want to create art. We Mm want to create the best art that we can create. So just because someone's not right for a project doesn't mean that they're worthless or unworthy or any of those things. It's like just looking back at we all have the same goal. We all love this. Mm -hmm. We all love what we do. Let's go back to that when we come back to it because how lucky are we that we get to come back to it now. So let's make it that much better for everyone agreed that was that was can someone give her a, a box a soap can someone, can someone give can, her can something we get a, soap um, a megaphone can we get new york one on the line i hope that kind of made sense no totally 100 percent. selena and i on an earlier episode we had, we had discussed about um kind of where we would want auditions and, and that kind of process to be run in the future and we talked about how kind of a less focus on these kind of cattle calls of like looking at people as just products and it's just product, 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 product. And, and more so of like the human and the artist and even inter artist acknowledgement, like in the holding room, sometimes that room is terrible. You know, like sometimes that room is awful and it's full of negative energy because everyone's judging everybody and we don't mean to, but it happens. And so it's, it's kind of like a, an acknowledgement of the fact that we're all here as artists and not as, products yes on the director's side i was saying like for sure like we need to look at people like on that humanity let's remember that these are people and for the directors to take risks i know that we have our idea in our head i know that we know what we think we want but i said let's try to prove ourselves wrong by giving someone else an opportunity that we may not have imagined and see where it goes it could be really exciting and surprising just it just like you know just like any period of pause right we can look we can look back at the risks that were taken previously and be like oh that was revolutionary why was that revolutionary mm-hmm. right because we have the space and the time we don't have 18 things on the docket that we right. have to be working on that are taking our attention right we can look back and reflect and this period of reflection i think is so important if we use it wisely if we yes. actually use it wisely to take a look and be like okay that was it just looking at casting like and i'm not a casting director i am a choreographer and director and sometimes but mostly what i am is a performer so i can't speak from a place of being an expert in casting but when i go to consume art when i go to a broadway show and i see someone who is an unexpected choice for the role but reveals something so much deeper and better about that character than a different choice would have been it's like right. absolutely they were the right choice Especially would the they right have been considered revival. five years ago for that role yeah probably not i was just gonna say especially when you're talking about like revivals and stuff like that or or new castings of of the same show where you see that in a completely different light for sure you know what i actually i read something the other day and I, i'd be interested to hear your thoughts lauren so this is this is a question that just popped in my head I saw someone write something the other day about how not only do we have to have like this training in dance, this training in theater, this training in like a like vocal instruction. Not only do we have to uh, keep up to date with our headshots and our resumes and figure out exactly, you know, the size and shape and everything that they want. Um, Not only do we have to then learn everything there is to know about self-tapes and learn how to use iMovie and Pro and get a ring light and learn how to mix audio tracks and 
like basically learn every single aspect of it just to be an actor and to get cast and not only have like a social media following with 12k followers like create whole, find ways to create content for social find ways media to that create it, content when you when that when you, isn't when, going to break the bank like i could go sh- book a photo shoot every single day for the next two weeks i'm gonna be broke gonna be broke <laughs> those actors that like every every two weeks they're on social media and they're like in a different place with a different like professional photographer. I'm like, how can you afford this? But like, would you, would you agree that like, not only do you have to be this like incredible actor, but now you have to learn all these kind of different things in order just to get yourself seen or make yourself more marketable. Like, can't we, can't, isn't there be a website editor, learn how to build a website and be a website editor. Like, all those things. I'm trying to think what else. Um, like what happened to the good old days when someone would be walking down the street and then see you and be like, you, you, I need you in my show. Like what happened to those good old days? Like Rita, is it Rita Hayworth who was at the the counter at the like ice cream shop and she got picked up? Was it Rita Hayworth? It, I, I don't can't remember if it was Rita Hayworth, but Ava Gardner did the same thing. Like she, like her cousin was a photographer and just like puts up, put a photo of her up in his like, you know, photography and develop your photography store. And some guy was like, her, <laughs> get me the name of that girl. Oh, the good old days of Hollywood. I mean, in <laughs> some ways we should never go back there, but in some ways exactly. it's like, if only it were that easy, but. Like, I don't want to pop you guys full of pills to have you work all day, but. Right. Oh, Judy. Um, oh, Judy. Oh, Judy. <laughs> oh, Judy. <laughs> what else too? It's like, you have to, you have to be in shape. You have to be not only like be in shape to be able to do your craft, but also be like an athletic Olympic body sometimes, at least to be a dancer in New York. You also have to be aesthetically pleasing. You have to be model, you have to be model level. I hate to say that, but you do. And is that, is that what we're moving away from? Are we moving more towards human beings? Because when you're like, oh, I I need a line of, I need a line of showgirls. And it's like, well, there's only one thing a showgirl looks like. Tall, skinny, can right? Wear, can, wear, can wear a blonde wig. <laughs> you have to be so, it's not just about being a triple threat anymore. Dance, sing, act. It's about being dance, sing, act, social media manager, content producer, website editor. Um, what else? You have to be Tumblr in shape. Influencer. You have to be like, yes. And also sometimes, at least this is the way it was within what the last 15 years play an instrument have like a have like a fourth concentration to your performance career on top of all the other things you have to do oh and also like dress well like like be be fashionable be fashionable be witty be a good conversationalist be catchy on social media be engaged on social media but not too much that you are un- uncastable. You have to know like the, you have to know the line. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I'm sure there are a million other things as soon as we sign off, I'm gonna think oh, of sure. where it's like, I have to do all this too, and I'm doing it, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> to give myself a full blowout, I have to know how to do ring girls. I have to figure all this out. How do you make your hair work between like your workout, your survival job, your audition, your self tape, and the date you're supposed to go on, because if you're single, that's happening too. It's oh, <laughs> it's so hard. I can't even tell you the first the first time, and it was Selena. It was 2019. It was my first audition of 2019. This was after my year of no booking, and I was like, "What am I doing? What am I doing?" 
And I had to mm-hmm. like reassess everything. I went into that next audition, my first audition of 2019, in jeans and flats. Something I would never have done. Yeah, but you didn't give two shits. Yeah. You were like, I'm not, I'm not putting on the heels. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just want to go do my work and be out of the room. They can see a pretty version of me in the headshot. Yeah. See that I'm a human being. Like, this is what I look like with hair and makeup. And they take two and a half hours to do it. This is right. what I look like in real life. Yes. Who, who are you really hiring? You're hiring me. <laughs> yeah, because I was about to say, like, because, yeah, you look pretty, but then I'm probably going to change that anyway, depending on the character. I know. I'm going to get a wig, and you're pro- I'm probably going to have a costume on. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be wearing any of this. Do you think some right. of that is, do you think that's pressure we get from casting? I think about this all the time, and I know what my answer is, but I'm going to ask you too, ladies. Do you think that's pressure from casting, or do you think that's pressure from your comp the other women auditioning that's a very good question i think it's a little bit of both i think it depends on the casting director because some are really old-fashioned some really are wanting the 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 professional pristine look like as if it was a job interview um while some others are not i think it also i think we are going back to just the raw human and less the aspiration because i think our generation just does it in general you know we are people who are a lot more down to earth than and they just are individuality we, yes we're all about individuality we're all about being ourselves to the max and and being proud of that whether it fits or not but being proud of that and so i think as we as the older generation starts to roll out and this new generation rolls in i think the whole look of auditions are going to change too i i hope so and i think i think too in the age of social media there's been like this weird shift right because there's been uh more inclusivity and i just i don't just mean ethnically and Mm -hmm. correcting how disparaged that has been in the past i just mean inclusivity of people who look all sorts of different ways yes who love all sorts of different things like there is no cookie cutter anymore because we live in a social media world and where the idea is especially as actors and people who are trying to be micro influencers to some extent on social media you always have to be camera ready. You always have to be producing content that is produced. Right. Right? So not yeah. you just out of bed. Although some people look gorgeous just out of bed and they can post those photos. I am not that person. Right? right? So yeah. it's, it's like you want this and you want that. It's, it's again, like the two things coexisting at the same time. Yeah. I think Selena was right. I think it's like a balance because... If you're if you're a casting uh, agent and you are pre-screening people, you want to put forward mm-hmm. to your client the best that you have seen, and sometimes that even just means visually. You know what I mean? Like you, like they might sing well enough, but they look good, and I'm gonna put them forward. You know what I mean? Whereas I may not put forward the person who is like insane that looks literally like they're rolled out of bed you know what I mean and hasn't taken yeah. care of themselves or you know what I mean like I want There's to look a good too so I'm gonna it's still a business and they want to they want that return client as well but I think and I think that it is growing and it's now changing and like I think casting has more flexibility with kind of saying like listen this next person is coming in but you just need to hear them exactly they're gonna they're gonna be a different choice for you but just keep your mind open and i think that's happening a little bit more but i do agree with the fact that sometimes it is other people in the room because i know i've been guilty of that where i've bought the same clothes somebody else has because i want to fit in 
Yeah. So I do think there's a little bit of a herd mentality there too. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like the, the sizing up of one another and, and uh, I, as a black woman, always go, how many black people? Because those are my real competition. <laughs> One, I'm seeing you. Two. <laughs> but, uh, but now I'm on the other side. I haven't acted in a while. But, um, but I'm on the other side of it. I'm so happy to hear that because there needs to be people on the other side of the table, too. It can't just yes. be a bunch of white men. Right. 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 And, and, and it needs to be not only people on the other side, but people who understand the actor, because it drives me nuts as I was acting and I would listen to directors or producers or anything talk about like the roles or art, then they have no idea what they're talking about because they only see it on the business side. Mm-hmm. And, and they're asking for things they don't even know how to ask for, you know, so but they don't know how to talk to actors. They don't know how to get the vision across. So so it ends up being just a crappy experience. So I think actors or other people who are on the creative side or at least open to studying that side and then coming on the other side to learn how to collaborate and that's why i love again i'm going to say him i'm sorry thomas kale because he's now my favorite director of hamilton um that's the reason why i love him so much because it's all about the collaboration he didn't see anybody as less than higher than anything everybody had a voice everybody had a value and that we are all trying to serve the story and I'm not going to tell you how to do something. And your process is different than Megan's process. So mm-hmm. I'm balancing that. I don't need you to be like Megan and Megan to be like you. I just want you both to find your processes. And we all work to It's beautiful. But collaboration. Collaboration. Jeez. Lauren, do you have any <laughs> final thoughts and any advice you would give to some uh, artists out there who might still be feeling very stuck? I think what's important to like lead with is everyone's reaction to what's happened over the last year is valid. Everyone's reaction is valid, natural. There is, it's really hard to look around at your peers, right? And see how different people have reacted to this. Some people have pivoted and created six figure businesses. They've LLC'd. They've started podcasts like you two have. They've gone back to grad school. I have a friend who's going to Harvard. It's like, it's just, it's hard to look around and see, oh, but they're thriving, they're thriving, they're thriving, they're thriving. Why am I not thriving? If you are a person who still feels stuck, depressed, sad, your process of the last 10 months and whatever the next 10 months or year or two years it's gonna be what it's gonna be. So it's natural, it's okay, be where you are. Just be where you are and don't pay any attention to anyone else, right? So that's like number one piece is whatever you're feeling is totally valid. I can speak to what works for me to to kind of like help me feel productive and connected and grounded and feel like I'm moving forward. But like, just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Or this might be a great thing that you didn't know that you wanted or needed or any of that. So if, if it's helpful, I'm happy to share those. You know, for me, it's like find a daily routine, have like kind of a plan for the day or a to-do list just so I can feel like I'm doing something for myself. I'm taking small steps forward, even if it's just doing my laundry that day. Like I, I have to move every day. I have to work out or do a yoga flow or go for a long walk outside, go for a bike ride. I have to use those natural like antidepressant endorphins to mm-hmm. boost my mood. 
it can be very comfortable to like just sit on the couch and click watch next watch next next episode next episode next episode but Mm -hmm. if you can motivate to get off the couch get outside even if it's for just 10 minutes like vitamin d is really helpful for boosting mood too and getting a little sunshine um Mm-hmm. for me staying connected with friends and family like <laughs> I can say because Megan's right here like we chat all the time we have a Marco Polo that's going for months and months and months and months and even if it's just a little check in or a text message just like connect with another human being um, I think that's really important sometimes your friend might need you more than you need them and that can get you out of your mm-hmm. head for a little bit because you love that person and you want to help them and be there for them so sometimes that can kind of bring things back down to the ground. For me, the two things that I know I can always control is my level of patience and my level of preparation. I'm gonna say that again, because that's something that I have like written on my mirror in my entryway to my apartment, and it helps me in my career. It's like the only things that are in my control when I walk into the casting office, when I walk into a job interview, when I walk into a date, any of, the, any of that is like my patience and my preparation. Right? Have I done everything I can do to prepare for this? And have I brought my patience cap with me? And can I bring myself to a place where just breathe in, breathe breathe out, one step at a time. It might take five hours. It might take 15 years. Uh, Just bring your patience. (laughs) Therapy works for me. I've been in therapy for eight years. Changed my life. Mm -hmm. If you need help, there is nothing wrong with reaching out for it. It's Again, I, I hate this word because it's really overused, but it's a process. And mm-hmm. if you feel like it's something you want to try, there are tons of resources. It's become so easy now to work with a therapist, work yes. with, you know, there's apps, there's chats. You never even mm-hmm. have to talk to someone on FaceTime. It can just be thumbs moving on a screen, you know. It's really accessible. And then when you find the right one, it's so, ugh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so you can shop around. If the, if someone doesn't feel right, it's okay to find someone else. But when you find that right one. It's like dating. You got to shop around a little bit. Rest time is really important. It's okay to right. say no to stuff. It's okay to not answer that phone call. It's okay to like say, you know what? I can't FaceTime tonight. I need some me time. I need mm-hmm. to just just not be for anyone or anything except myself. And then the last thing on my list, sorry, I made a long list, but um, I put down, give yourself permission to be happy. That's great. Because isolation and depression and it's, it's a, it can be a downward spiral, right? It's the snake that is eating its own tail. It just keeps going. Right. So if you can break that by giving yourself permission to be happy, remind yourself what feeds you there's no wrong answer to that it could be a certain movie it could be working on a new skill it could be getting going to the corner and getting a cup of coffee from your favorite coffee place that probably needs your business and your support right now um could be cooking your favorite meal could be talking to a parent like some of the things that i've talked through on this list but it's like give yourself permission to be happy it is okay to find moments of happiness in in all of this craziness so interesting isn't it i feel like the beginning of the pandemic we were all kind of telling each other like it's okay to be sad it's okay to grieve it's okay like allow yourself that space and now that we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel even though we're still kind of surrounded by um some sadness and tragedies uh now it's kind of more like but you have to also allow your 
yourself that space to be happy sometimes too. Just like sometimes you need a little break from the news, it's okay to take a little break from your feelings of isolation and sadness and stuck and this is right. too big and too scary and I can't handle this. Like it's, it's okay to feel happy in there in the middle. It will help you manage and balance the feelings that are icky. Thank you so much, Lauren Jamelli, for being on here today. You have been such a light and sure. talked to us about some really important things, and I really appreciate it. Yes, I am so happy to meet you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to meet you. I'm excited to to watch your career continue. Megan better keep me in the loop, and I'll be watching out personally for you as you continue to move forward in your amazing life. <laughs> oh, thank you both so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. An awesome interview with Lauren Jamelli. Yeah. We thank you again for your time, Lauren. Yes, for sure. Lauren, <laughs> me and you will never part. Call me. Make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's episode where we interview Broadway's Bruce Winant on how the Broadway community is affected by the pandemic and what they are doing to recover. Yes. You're not going to want to miss that. Trust me. You're not going to want to miss it. Folks, we appreciate your time. And if you could, find us on Patreon at Patreon backslash one hen. You can get different levels of membership with our Patreon, which includes backstage stories from some of our Art Unmasked guests. You'll get insider information on episodes, uh, certain tiers. You can get virtual hugs. virtual hugs. You get merchandise, one hen merchandise, and uh, juicy, juicy stories insider information in the business Ooh, good, good stories story. we will see you tomorrow for broadway's bruce Wynette's interview yes bye <laughs> <laughs>